0: On this edition of the Cubs Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with ATMs nationwide. Maddie Lee, Gordon Wittenmeyer, and I discuss the struggles of the Cubs through 12 games, their historically slow start offensively, and we get pretty spirited on where blame lies. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With
1: Cubs Checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at windtrustcom slash Cubs Talk. $100 required to open. Member FDIC.
2: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Let's play two.
0: Welcome to the Cubs Talk Podcast, brought to you by Trust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide with our great producers, Tony Gill and Joe Collins, our Cubs insiders, Gordon Wittenmeyer and Matty Lee. Tim Stebbins has the day off. I'm David Kaplan. So we come out of a Milwaukee series. The Cubs get a breather on Thursday and then they go against the team that has also had its struggles, folks in the Atlanta Braves, but they're a very talented team that many people expect to write the ship fairly quickly. Maddie coming out of that Brewers series, how surprised are you that this thing is almost grabbing punchline status around the game because of the inept offense.
2: Right. I mean, I didn't expect them to turn everything around from last year on a dime, but I didn't expect this bad of a, of a start. I mean, it's historically bad, right? I mean, you had Jordan Bastion tweeted this out the other day from Cubs historian Ed Harding, the Cubs 49 hits in the first 10 games were their fewest, the fewest hits by the team over 10 consecutive games in any season since at least 1901 historically bad.
0: It's literally crazy, Gordon, to be this historically bad that the fine folks at Bleacher Nation, who I think do a really good job, put out this tweet with 59 hits. And Maddie just referenced what Jordan tweeted the Cubs have fewer hits than the Red Sox, Reds, Dodgers, Astros, White Sox, Angels, Twins, and Cardinals have runs scored. That's brutal.
1: Yeah. See, that's the thing the the hits, the, 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 hits are, are that's a troubling statistic. No question. I, I don't look at it quite in the, I don't take take it uh, the historical part of it as seriously as, as some people do because historically hits are down anyway. So if you're near, near or at the bottom of the league, it's going to be almost by definition, historic, uh, historically bad. So there is that element, but they are, compared to their peers, awful. And, and, and uh, more to that point, because they were awful last year. Right. Except that even, even last year they scored like they haven't scored more than five runs in a game this year. Not, not more than not once. And, and last year here's, 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 here's their, their, in their third game, they scored nine, their fourth game. They scored eight, their fifth game. They scored eight. They scored more than five runs. In eight of, of their first 15 games last year, even in a year where offensively they didn't do much. And 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 I'll, I'll even add this. In 2019, that year that Theo came out and said, this is a year of reckoning. we got to start strong. And they admittedly, John Lester came out and said it about six games in, pressed. They started one and six. They looked awful. Um, even that team scored 12 in its first first game. They scored 10 in their third game. Um they, they lost the game 13 to 10 in their seventh game. Uh they scored 14 and 10. They got off to a three and eight start and five times they scored 10 or more runs in that stretch. So so even even then when when they're it's like it, you know, they went from feast and famine to, to just no more feast.
2: Well last year they also got to got off to a ridiculously hot start. So I've been comparing this year and last year a little less just because they did get off to a good start. But I mean, if we're going to use that logic, maybe they're going to be set. Maybe maybe they'll just hit the playoffs and start hitting because uh, the opposite happened in 2020. Yeah. But how are they going to get there? How'd they get get the opposite the first time around?
0: So as I look at this whole thing and I, I liked, you know, Jed's quote, and there was a, you know, good column. If anyone hasn't heard Jed, Gordon posted up, you know, a good column. It starts blow up the Cubs, right? They can't hit the starting rotations, inconsistent, blah, blah, blah. And then Anthony Rizzo's quote this spring, if we get off to a three and four start, there'll be quick stories about who's getting traded. We already know that. But then Jed said, you have to look at this appropriately, but, You also have to say you saw our team struggle at the end of last year offensively. We've seen struggles going back a few years. So you can't just wipe everything away as a small sample. Gordon, how do you balance that? He says it's important to find balance, but how do you balance it when the fan base has eyes, they have two sources they're right in their left eye and they look and go, I've seen this movie for three or
1: four years. They're not going to be bad. Um, all season they're going to go through stretches and who knows maybe it'll happen this homestand i doubt it you got uh the Braves, and then you got the uh, Jacob deGrom coming to town. Um, and then you got the Brewers again right behind him. But at some point here in the early going, they're going to, they're going to turn around. They're going to put up some big numbers and somebody's going to overreact to the one game they score eight runs. And, and there's going to be all these stories about how they're breaking out of their slump and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, at some point they're going to go on a two, two week binge and maybe a three, a three, four week binge. And their numbers are going to start to normalize again. And then they're going to go right back to another one of these stretches because that's what they do. That's what a lot of teams do to some extent. That's what this team has – that's what this team's character has sort of become. So what do you do? You evaluate it from 10,000 feet and 30,000 feet. And and what that is is, okay, well, what does Javi Baez bring? Do I want to extend him? Because he's a very exciting player. He's a fan favorite. We can market him, and he does things defensively. And overall, as a package, maybe we want to keep him. Chris Bryant's the better hitter of the bunch of guys that are in walk years. Do we want to keep that and, and and build around him? Whatever we do, we're going to pick and choose which guys we want to keep because they do have skill sets that'll play. But especially if you put them in a lineup that's more equipped to have some diversity of skill sets to it, like they did in 2016 when they had Dexter Fowler leading off and they had Ben Zobris playing most days. So you, if you can recapture that, some of these guys will play going forward. So you kind of that's what you're balancing. I don't think you're balancing it as perspective on winning this year. Maddie,
0: as you hear Jed say that you're a trained professional, you've worked in the NBA, now in Major League Baseball. Do you think privately he's already starting to have an eye towards, all right, who am I moving and when can I move them?
2: I think they've definitely had those conversations, right? He said it's not productive to have those conversations every week, which I believe, but that doesn't mean that they're not having them at all. I was pleasantly surprised though, that he did, he did address the fact that at this point, we can't just give it up to small sample sizes, which, I mean, obviously it is a small sample size. That is absolutely true. But we came out of last year talking about some of the same issues. And as we've talked about before on this podcast, we didn't see the diversification of the lineup that they talked about doing. And so they're still talking about some of the same things, right? David Ross said the other night, we're, we're pretty Homer dependent. And I've, and he said, I realized that that's some of our makeup and how this team is built, but we've got to figure out how, how the score runs and how to make things happen, how to put pressure on defenses in other ways. And for, you know, the time being, That's on these guys, this group of players who aren't necessarily built to do that to figure out how to do that and turn turn this offensive slump around, which, like Gordon said, it'll happen. Um, But it's also a mental thing, right? These players have seen the exact same thing that we have, and they've been right in the middle of it. And we talked last year about the 60 game season and the tendency to put pressure on yourself when you know that you have so little time. I think there's a little bit of the same, the same forces at play with an early season slump, because again, we're looking at small sample sizes and guys are looking at those numbers, uh, those bad numbers on the board and trying to work through that on the mental side of the game as well.
0: Yeah. I talked to Anthony Rizzo the other day. I don't know if either of you heard, his comments, but you know, he's a guy who he believes he's the eternal optimist, but he believes the offense is close to breaking out, especially himself. And that next, that (laughs) night he ended up getting (laughs) two hits. He said, I know when I'm off and I know when
1: I'm close and I'm close. And then he had two hits that night. Do you believe he's close, Gordon? I believe he knows himself well enough. If he's saying that about himself, I'm fine. I'm, I'm chuckling because we're two weeks into this damn season. If, if they're not close now, when are they going to be close? I mean, you know, you, you know, a week from now you have him on your show and if they're still kind of scuffling, but maybe they've had one, you know, outburst of scoring, you know, he'll say, Oh, well, we're really close. Look at the other day. Eventually he's going to be right, you know, but uh, there's no, I don't see any signs of, Team wide, that necessarily happened. Happening, I think P- Chris Bryant. I think Chris Bryant's off to uh, um, sort of an under the radar, promising start. Um, I do think your, your guy Rizzo. Um, again, he knows himself well enough. He's had slow starts in the past. Um, he could be ready to break out into one of those stretches. Javi's still trying to find it.
2: Well, um, I'd say Javi. He's had a few bad at bats, sure, but he's had more of those. Kind, of, he, I'd, I'd put him not quite in the same tier as Chris Brent. Chris Bryant is clearly having the best off- offensive season to start, but I'd say Javi Baez next, um, even though you have had some ugly strikeouts mixed in there.
1: Well, the reason that, that I don't put Javi in that basket is because even some of his more impressive hits are swinging at bad pitches. So as he's still chasing. He's still swinging at bad pitches. That hit the other night for two runs. Um, that was that wasn't a great pitch. Just so yeah, he can oh, also
2: a golf a homer on the
0: left
1: field line. <laughs> yeah, and then he, and then he and he golfs the homer too against Pittsburgh. I mean those those aren't those aren't great pitches to be. Those are chase pitches. He's chasing. He but he's got enough skills that he reached those pitches. He's not reaching very many of them, but he's chasing a lot of them. So I, I don't see him quite there yet. When he stops chasing, then you're going to see those those same hits, but they're going to be closer to the strike zone. And there's going to be a lot more of them. And There's going to be a lot less swing and miss.
0: He just looks different to me at the plate where he doesn't, the toe tap is gone. It's a bigger leg kick. He just doesn't look right. Am I wrong in that assumption? I've gone back and watched at bats from two years ago and watched where he is today. He just doesn't look like the same guy at the plate.
2: Oh, and he's been playing with that. Yeah. That stride that you just mentioned too. Um, he's obviously playing with and, and tweaking with some stuff, but I mean, with the rest of where the rest of the offense is, he's still one of the better hitters, or at least has had one of the better starts.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Numbers wise, but yeah, you know, again, it's, uh, you got so many guys hitting under 200 and with the OPSs in the fives that, um, uh, you know, it's not hard to stand out in that group. I, I think, uh, I think he's more prone to uh, maybe, especially this year. To, to, you know, we talked about this, I think, on a previous podcast. They've they've preached aggressiveness in early in the count uh, coming into this season, and and trying to hunt fastballs, and uh, and actually they're missing fastballs. But uh, he might be more prone to falling into bad habits trying to do that, and then on top of that, pressing.
2: For him, too, it's they talked before the season, both Chris Bryant and David Ross talked about this notion that last year they were trying too much to have team at bats, essentially, and and not not trying to, to address weaknesses as opposed to lean into strengths. And so that's a balance for everyone. But I think that might be some of what we're seeing with Javi is trying to balance balance those strengths, um, but not or. Lean into the strengths, not chase too much. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. Yeah. In, in
0: terms of what you've seen from the pitching staff, I, I like. I thought Jake was solid the other day. Um, I thought to put um, Alec Mills in in 20 minutes notice, and he pitched four solid innings, gave up two runs, and they ended up winning the ballgame. I thought that was a really gutsy performance by him. I mentioned Justin Steele to you guys a little while ago. Like, I'm seeing... Some solid things from the pitching staff. Yes, they've had their hiccups. The, I just feel like the pitching staff's taking the mound going, okay, I have to be almost perfect here because our offense stinks.
1: Well, That's- dude, the, the, the rotation, but two times through, had an ERA of five and a half. That's not solid. I mean, uh, you know, the, a couple of those games, they, they, didn't, they didn't give them a chance to You're win. You're telling me that they aren't taking the mound, trying
0: to be so fine that they're not pitching free and easy? Well,
1: maybe, maybe, but you could go across the board with the whole team on that on both sides of things. Um, but they have more pitchers by definition, and Maddie, being a former catcher, knows this better than any of us. They have control of the action. They have they have control of the emotion and the pace and and how and how the game gets played. They're they're just not performing. Now, I will say this: two of the at least two of those games where there were clunkers were like one bad inning, but those were innings that they couldn't limit the damage. And that, and that's, and that's a hallmark of a good pitcher. A good starting pitcher is to limit the damage and they couldn't. And so if that's what we're going to see now, Zach Davies, maybe that's an aberration. This guy's got a really good track record for a long time. He's been really consistent. I think he's going to be okay, but none of these guys are none of these guys it's wind day when they take the mound, right? Even Kyle Hendricks, as much as we all love Kyle Hendricks, when Darvish took the mound, the way he pitched the last year and a half, it was wind day. That's what Ross used to say. When Arietta was here last time for two and a half years, when he took the mound, it was wind day. And for most of that time, when Lester took the mound, it was wind day. So we don't, we don't see that anymore. We don't, we don't see that anywhere on this pitching staff right now. And, and yeah, I don't, don't know Alec where Mills that's going to come the Brewers. Well but but <laughs> what about next time Alec Mills pitches? Does anybody think that's win day?
2: No, no, I know. I, I I absolutely agree with you. He I was just joking with his track record against the Brewers. Um, but I also don't think that it's time to write this rotation off yet either. Like when we look at Zach Davies, that was the second time he'd face the pirates in the span of five days or a week, um, less than a week. And then with Trevor Williams, he's facing his former team. So they obviously know him really well. Yeah. Not good performances, but I tend to look at those as probably aberrations. I mean, we'll see it's, it's early in the season we've only seen a couple starts out of each of these guys but yeah there you have a bunch of guys who who are pretty good you don't have the the shutdown ace that you yeah. darvish was last year but to cap's point i mean I think Adbert Alsley's start the other day was a really good example. And he didn't specifically talk about this. So I'm not going to pretend like I knew what was going on in his head, but he pitched five shutout innings, looked awesome. The Cubs only score one run. So once he starts giving up hits in the sixth, he did a really good job of then, you know, getting the out, even with the bases loaded, but there is more pressure when you only have that one-run lead at that point.
1: I I know this might be an unpopular uh, opinion, and it's not one I usually take with starting pitchers that are going so well. But I I question, even with a low pitch count, whether Alzelay should have been out there in the sixth inning. Um, He's really young. They're going to monitor his workload all year anyway. They know that they've got really massive limits on him compared to everybody else because he's young, because of his experience. He had 21 innings all of last year and, 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 not a hell of a lot the year before. So you're going to watch him. He's also got a little bit of an injury history. So why? And, and he's so young. Why wouldn't you let him have five scoreless or five, whatever it was, take it, leave, walk away, uh, triumphant feeling good about yourself. And you've got this bullpen that's been doing a really good job, go out there and, and get the, get the last uh, 12 outs.
0: What's the most positive thing that you both have seen through the first 12 games? For me, it's easy. It's Craig Kimbrell, whose velocity's back his movements back and his performance is back.
2: I'd absolutely agree with that. I'd say he's, he's the most, um, the biggest silver lining, right? I think Alec Mills is up there as another one just in terms of he's, you know, he's performed in such different situations in just the first couple weeks, right? He's got that save. He had a solid start and he was obviously been a middle reliever in there too. So I'd throw him in there too, but I think you're right that Craig Kimbrell has got to be the biggest one.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, and that's why Kim- Kimbrel is going to be the first one traded. Um, but I would, I, I would add one more guy to the mix. I, I'm, I'm really most impressed with, with Aunt, uh, Chafin's uh, new car. Oh, that, that is, that is <laughs> yeah. a sweet ride. It I don't know if anybody's that seen that. To have 40 years ago. I had that car. I had that car in the eighties. It's a sweet ride. Let me tell you. And, and it, it looks as good. Uh, the picture I saw of him next to his car, that looks as good as my car ever looked to It's That's awesome. And, uh, and he's got, except for one hiccup so far this season, he's got the performance to go with it. That was, I was saying earlier, this guy, this guy looks like he walked out of the 1970s and he just updated to the 1980s and it is a sweet thing.
2: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
1: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle
2: memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's a rough start. There's a lot of baseball left, but I, I still, Maddie, I said this to Gordon the other day when we were on the phone that I still think privately upper management, whether that's ownership, Jed Hoyer, his closest lieutenants are not surprised by this start. You think that's fair?
2: Well, I, (laughs) I would say that, you know, because I'm surprised by how bad it is, I would, I would hesitate to say that they're not surprised at all, but yeah, I can, I can absolutely see how, Sure, maybe saying these guys will all turn it around was a little, little PR-y.
1: I think they're, I I believe that they're not surprised at all, but I don't think they would have been surprised at eight and four either at this point, largely because of the Pirates early on. I do think everybody's surprised that this lineup is this friggin' bad two weeks in. Um, It it almost, I mean, it's almost statistically impossible to be th- th- this bad with guys that have the experience that these guys have
0: so Gordon what do you say to people that go well wait a minute maybe it's just they're batting average on balls in play they're Babbit they're getting into hitting into some bad luck I don't agree with that because I see a team getting just handled by fastballs in the zone that's the amazing part of it to me
1: that that, that is the amazing part about it and it is it does speak to Maddie talked earlier about Uh, The mental side of this thing, that's definitely a huge part of it. Their their approach, the the thing they tried to emphasize coming into the season, changes they tried to make coming into the season. Um, Eventually, they're going to settle in and each guy is going to kind of say, all right, I'm I'm going to what works for me. They're going to find a comfort zone. They're going to get some at-bats under them. And you'll start to see numbers stabilize a little bit and be a little closer to what the career marks look like. Um, But I do think that, I I do think that this is, this is not luck. This is not Babbitt. This is approach and, and bad execution, poor decision-making during at-bats and, and probably maybe even underestimating the Pirates. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, uh, and, 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 and by the way, don't, don't, don't uh, dismiss this either. Two of those pitchers they've seen with the Brewers, uh, at least one of them, at least one of them they've seen twice, are two of the best pitchers in the division, if not the two best pitchers in the division. So that plays into it a little bit too. Yeah,
0: I yeah. Mean, I, I look at that Brewers team and I try to watch a lot of baseball every night, American and National. That Brewers team's pretty good.
2: Yeah, they were just overmatched for the last couple games. Oh, and the fact that they got they even. Stole that win, right? Was uh surprising, especially since Kyle Hendricks was a late scratch in that game and all of that. Uh, but yeah, they were just overmatched after that.
1: So, yeah, it- and it was the Brewers ace in that game starting that game too. But they kept it, they did a great job keeping it close.
0: What at what point is it June one? Is it July one? Is it sooner than that where Jed admits. Okay, this is not going to happen.
1: He admitted it yesterday. If you read between the lines, he admitted it yesterday that this is all in play. Now, I don't think he would have denied that this was all in play, even in spring training. But he's he's not hiding behind sample sizes. And he's saying we got to be real and honest about this. We've seen this as a pattern for years. I think he's given us the answer. Well, the only thing that remains to be seen is, is when the market in, in, across the league develops, when there's a market for some of these guys, that's when you'll start to see movement. That usually doesn't you, happen.
0: i ask you both something, and I'm not saying it happens today, so don't think I'm going down that road. But if a team that feels like they can win the World Series this year and has a serious injury, they lose someone, someone doesn't perform through the first 30 days, To the point where they think, you know what? We took a a roll of the dice on that guy. It's not working. Do you think there's a chance Jed would pull the plug? If you trade your closer in the next 30 days, you're basically saying, I'm giving up on the season. If you trade Chris Bryant, I'm giving up on the season. If you trade Javi Baez, I'm giving up on the season. Do you think Jed's willing to do that in the rare chance that somebody has an injury and calls him in the next 30 days and says, okay, I lost an outfielder. I need Chris Bryant. What do you need?
1: If it's Craig Kimbrell. Yes. But you, you've, you've laid out a very, very extreme example. That is so rare. Even, even a team that would suffer an injury like that. If you're talking in, we're in the middle of April, for God's sake, if you're talking about May 2nd, that's still way too early for, for buyers and, and and teams that consider themselves contenders, to try to to go out and 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 pull a trigger on something like that. I mean, if something if something just again, it's it's rare. It could happen. I'm not saying it can't, but it's so extremely rare for teams to get that aggressive. It would have to be something that just almost organically came together in a perfect storm. Um, I just don't. I just don't see anything that early. I mean, I think June is. About the earliest you're going to see something like that, Maddie. Would it surprise
2: you? Yeah, I I think I'd agree with Gordon. Just in terms of of the the likelihood of that timing is not very good. My personal thoughts are: I think that this group at least deserves and Cap. I feel like you're going to hate this, but I feel like this group at least deserves that they the chance to prove that they can turn this around. And I know that we've seen, they've had three and a the, half same, the same group of hitters in the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, last year I does not quite qualify it as a full chance. And I think, you know, you've got guys in a lot of guys in walk years who I think deserved chance at least for the first, the first couple of months of the season to prove like, Hey, what, what we've seen in the first two weeks is not who we're going to be.
1: Gordon, I Man, got a great question for you. Wait, wait,
2: wait. I want to, I want
1: to push back a little bit. I, I appreciate everything you said there, Maddie. And I think 99 times out of a hundred, I would agree with you and say that spot on. I don't think this team deserves that. And and I know I've, I've been a defender of these players and I'm not, and I'm not, not defending these players now, but the only guys that have been here long enough to deserve any consideration are the biggest, most egregious offenders and causes for this slow start. They're they're these hitters, and none of the pitch, nobody outside of Kyle Hendricks on that pitching staff has been a long, around long enough to deserve any extra consideration. I don't think this this group has eighteen players in walk years. It was built for a teardown. Uh, it, it was built for a roll of the dice. Well, you know, it's starting to come up craps and, and they and they need to, uh, I, I, I think, and maybe they'll blow it up sooner, sooner also, rather than later, but I don't think they deserve, I don't think that group deserves this. And by the way, I think Rossi's on board with whatever the front office wants. It's not like he's a long-term manager with this group either.
2: Couldn't you also argue, though, that it's not, that it falls in the front office's Court that they should have that they should have gotten them a a bona fide leadoff hitter. Or oh yeah, it, like actually,
1: that. I, actually, I actually I would take it even higher. It Falls on the ownership that this is where this roster is. Um, but but that said, the front office built this roster to go either way, and, and I don't think that there's going to be any love lost whichever way they go. I don't think that they're so invested in trying to win this year that they're, that they're going to sweat one drop of sweat. And blowing it up,
0: and I disagree with you that this is on ownership. Now you want to say that the last few years where they were more focused on how is this not on ownership? They
1: forced payroll hey, slashing hey, to the point that hey, Dar- Darvish got dumped.
0: Hey, I have no problem trading a guy who's going to be thirty-five that's had two arm surgeries in a
1: vacuum. That's fine, but you're
0: not trying to win this year when you make that move. My bigger problem is that over the last few years. When wheelbarrows of cash were supposed to be dropped off at Theo's office and instead they were more concerned with their real estate holdings in Wrigleyville that they were not in play on Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, name the guy that came along and all of a sudden the spigot got turned off. I'm not saying they didn't have enough money to win. Lord knows they spent on a ton of guys from Jason Hayward at 184 to you, Darvish, at 126 to Brandon Morrow was a horrific signing. To, you just name the contracts. They made some really bad trades on
1: top of it. All of it. I just But don't- this is the year they could afford. This is the year they had money coming off the books, and the luxury tax didn't have to be an issue to do what they did to the roster in the offseason. But Gordon, they're not good enough. If you said, go get the best
0: leadoff guy in the game, here's whatever you need, uh, Jed. This team isn't
1: good enough. Okay, well, then wait, 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 wait. nobody. So, 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 okay, but now you're backing it up. You're, you're going over the last 10 years, and you're saying this is on the front office and in, in, in a regime for not developing talent. Yes. I don't have any, I think you're right about that. But I thought we were talking about putting this team together for this year and who's invested in trying to win this year. If you're talking about this roster this year, that's on ownership.
0: Gordon, Matty, if I came to you and said, Hey, I know that the foundation's cracking on your house, but I'll buy you an awesome sound system. Let's put a new deck on the back. We'll put a bunch of money into it, but the foundation still sucks. That's bad money after it's good money after bad. There, this team was not built to win
1: because it's physically impossible. Okay, well then blow it up in the offseason. Or, and maybe this is what they've done, put together a team that you can blow up, that you can take a Trevor Williams on a short-term Bingo. contract and turn him into an asset at the trade deadline and Zach Davies at the trade deadline. Bingo. If you're going to do that, why didn't you move some of the core guys in the offseason when they had presumably more value Especially, and I know we're talking during a pandemic, but by late in the offseason, you had some teams willing to spend some money on long-term assets. Seems like you could move them. Now, there's there's a calculus there. Are you waiting until finances stabilize and projections are more solid toward the trade deadline? And maybe that's even, maybe even a -a rent-a-player you can get more for than you could have for, say, a Chris Bryant in... January. I'm, I'm going to use your term. I'm going to push back on
0: you. I was the guy screaming at both of you and Tim move these guys now. And you kept saying, hold on a second. You got to wait and trade these guys at the
1: deadline. That's what you kept telling me. I, I did say that. Yeah. I And I, I still, I still agree with that. But if you're talking about blowing it up, if you, if you're talking about just blowing it all up, but,
2: but we've, we've also said that the, in a large market like this, you you can't just blow it up. That's yes, you the-
1: can. Yes, and now we can. go to the that's owners. Well, actually, Cap, she she she's she's right about that. You shouldn't be able to. Yes, you can because that because that Cubs helped invent big big market tanking. Yeah, sure you can because the Cubs friggin' invented it. But that that's not you shouldn't be able to do that. You have a you have a you have a league integrity problem when that's you're a doing that discussion, but you can't yeah, but, do that. That's the old Annie
0: McPhail. David, I can't blow it up. We're in Chicago. That's bullshit. This is a bad baseball team. No, he's, he's, up.
1: he's right though. He's right though. No big market team should be doing that. But that's now a discussion. This is a years long problem that you've already pointed out. And we pointed it out ad nauseum for months. Right. If not years. So, and at it, what, at
0: what point do they wake up and go, guys, just get what you can, move on. It's a bad team. We'll rebuild it.
1: We did I think, it. I th- we do it again. I think we're arguing semantics here because they've already done that. Right? They've already done that. They haven't traded any of their big names. No, night. but they've already identified that. They're, they're not all in this year. They, they knew coming in that it was going to be a matter of everything falling right to win. It may yet happen if they get off to some kind of sudden great surge here. Um, but this team isn't built per se to win, not in any sort of big way, maybe in a crappy division. Right. Maybe if the, if the hitters had gotten off to a better start.
2: And with all those one-year contracts, they're built to have a bunch of money come off the books this next year and give them flexibility. So over the next couple years, that's when we're going to see them do a, not maybe, maybe not tear it all the way down to the foundation and, and build it back up, but remodel the kitchen and then remodel the bathroom and then remodel the bedroom uh, so that you don't, you don't ever have that full rebuild. But by the end, everything's pretty new.
1: That's the thing. That's the thing. That's why you, when Maddie said you can't do that in, in, in this market that I think, I don't want to speak for you, Maddie, but when, when I agreed with that, that's what I meant.
0: Yeah. But and my point is they waited too long and for really smart guys who I really like a lot, Theo and Jed for them and their geek squad of guys on their iv named computer to not be able to move some of these guys three freaking years ago and go, guys, it's not working. It's not working. And to continue running it out, it's literally
1: insane. Let, let me ask you this. Because one of the things, when we talk early about what some of the solutions are and decisions are regarding some of these hitters, what if these Atlantic League rules are on the shorter horizon? What if moving the mound back? Hmm works in the second half of the Atlantic league season this year. And they decide to bring that in as part of the new CBA. What, what if uh, some, some of these shifts uh, rules that they're proposing come into play? How does that change? How good some of these hitters might become.
2: Your lefties would be happy about the shift rules.
1: Rizzo might be a yeah. 320 hitter at that point. Mm-hmm. Rizzo might have a better next five years than his last five years. That's an interesting point. But, but what about uh, what, what about Javi? If he's got a split second more to identify a breaking pitch, Are you going to roll the dice on that and give him a big time. I'm telling you, there's you talk about these geeks in their Ivy League computers in their in, in their Briniac Mensa scores. You know, they can probably project this better than you or I can sitting here talking about it. Um, but wouldn't that be part of the calculus? It's going to make hitters better, period. And if you've got guys that have basic natural skill sets that already have track records, too, at the big league level, what does that mean for a guy that's already won an MVP like Chris Bryant or a guy that came really close like Javi Baez and has skills off the charts if he harnesses them? Okay. And, Are you going to roll the dice and give them
0: a long-term contract because they're not under team control anymore? Are you going to do that? Well, that's that's
1: what I'm talking about. That's the question I'm asking. If you th- if you think that that's part of value going forward, maybe you do because it's already a, a legitimate debate. That's a good question.
0: It's a really good question. That if you w- guys
2: one another debate. We just got breaking news. What do we got? Ryan DePera has received a three game suspension and an ind- undisclosed fine for throwing behind Brandon Woodruff. Um, it sounds and it says that he has elected to appeal.
0: So he'll end up getting it knocked down to two games and
1: move on, right? Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, Jeff, you're, you're an old guy like me, right? Mm-hmm. So, so in fact, you're, you're like way older than me. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, when, when Contreras comes out after that game and says, well, you know, we probably shouldn't have been thrown at the pit. We should have been thrown at a position player. And I had a, a, a young reporter from Milwaukee, well younger, uh, who's been doing this for a while, uh, say, "Wow, when was the last time we threw up? Saw a pitcher get thrown out? You just don't see that." And I'm thinking to myself, "I used to see that all the time. That's how you did it. That's, that's why you do it. That's that's why when when uh, that's why American League pitchers always got criticized so hard." When when they hit somebody, it was like, Well, yeah, it's easy for you to do because you're not going to come to the play. Yeah, Roger Clemens used to get ripped for that. Exactly. Exactly. And and now it's like this thing where, wow, you never see a pitcher get thrown at. That's who ought to get thrown at.
0: Yeah, I I had no problem because he didn't go head hunting. He threw it behind him down at his legs. I had no problem with it. And then Wilson put his hand on the backside of the pitcher. Hey, we're good. We're good. And I heard Jim Deshaies say,
1: now it's over. It's yeah. over. Right, right. Yep. I, hey, by, by the, the way, way that's, I'm why, why, that's why Ryan have got, got an MVP vote. <laughs> 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 All
0: right, guys, gals, we've gone 40 minutes, and we have not yet solved the Cubs, but we will continue to try to do that here on the we'll Cubs Talk it, you know, podcast. We'll solve it on July 30th. Oh, there are going to be
1: moves way before that. <laughs> well, that's the deadline. Way we'll before. know We'll know exactly how much we solved on July 30th. Put it that way. There you go. For
0: Maddie Lee, for Gordon Wittenmeyer, for Joe Collins and Tony Gill, Tim Stebbins had the day off. Our Cubs content team always here for you. And that's our second straight podcast with breaking news in the middle of it. I'm David Kaplan. We'll see you next time on the Cubs Talk Podcast brought to you by Wintrust. Home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide and that really sweet W ATM card. We'll see you.